This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again when you can have a brilliant, hyper-fast, super-simple Wi-Fi system with Eero. And now the second-generation Eero is tri-band and twice as fast as its predecessor. For free overnight shipping, visit Eero.com, and at checkout, select Overnight Shipping, then enter FOOL. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. This is the Thursday, December 28th show, which is episode number three in our four-part 2017 Industry Focus Awards show. If you didn't listen to the episodes released yesterday and Tuesday, please go back and do that before continuing on with this one. Next award we would like to present is Quote of the Year. I know we have Vince and Dylan pitching. Gents, who would like to go first? I'll hop in here. Uh, I am kind of straddling tech and CG with this quote, and I had to double check to make sure that it was in 2017. It was right around the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. My quote is, I am one of the kings of mean on Twitter. (laughs) And and the person who said that quote is T-Mobile CEO John Legere. Okay. (laughs) And the reason, like, I obviously don't condone cyberbullying in any form. But I think that this comment really embodies Legere's attitude and why he has been such a force of nature in the telecom space over the last couple of years. You look back over the last two years, T-Mobile has doubled the S&P's return, posting 60% gains. And it's really been because they've been incredibly aggressive with their promotions and all of the public posturing that we've seen from John Legere. If you follow his Twitter account, he routinely calls out all these other carriers, throws a lot of shots. He is not someone that you want to be in business against. He's extremely competitive. And all of that has led them to be able to steal a ton of subscribers and leapfrog Sprint in market share. So they're currently in third among the major wireless carriers. All of it has been done, really, I think, because he has been so growth-focused and so aggressive. I think this kind of embodies that. I can appreciate the the competitiveness. That's one of the Motley Fool's core values. I can get behind that one. Is this also the company that stole the Can You Hear Me Now guy? Uh, did he steal? It? No, that, no, was that was Sprint. Which, which blows my mind, by the way, that, that, that Verizon <laughs> did not have him on lockdown for like a I mean, that, lifetime. That's just a savage move. Uh, that's brutal. <laughs> I, I think they're the kings of meat with that one. That was pretty good. I, I can't badmouth uh, Sprint, though. I, I switched over to them and I'm paying almost nothing uh, every month. How much month. are they paying you to put that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think something I... Discreet co- product placements. <laughs> I will say, this. part of the reason that I bring this up, too, is I had... Um, I really reevaluated the telecom space in the past year. Um, some of it was kind of seeing what John Legere was doing uh, with T-Mobile. Some of it was just understanding how aggressive the promotions are from all of the kind of also-rans in that space. And I mentioned Sprint and that I switched over. I was a Verizon uh, subscriber for a long time. I was offered a deal with Sprint where they basically sent me a SIM card. It cost me like 14 bucks with shipping. And I'm getting charged, I think, 2 or $4 a month because of taxes and fees for their unlimited data plan. And I, and I live in a major metropolitan area where service is generally pretty good unless I'm on the metro. And you look at those types of promos being out there. That one was an online-only one. They didn't do it in store. They were kind of banking on people finding it and not having to use marketing or sales staff for it. Um, there are all of these people in the you know second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth ranks of wireless subscribers that are trying to chip away at Verizon's lead trying to come up with other ways to make their offering more appealing because they might not have the quote-unquote best network. Um, If you spend so much time on your phone on Wi-Fi anyways, that doesn't become nearly as important. And seeing all these things going on, frankly, I was a Verizon bull for quite some time. I thought it was a really great dividend stock. I don't think it's a bad dividend stock now, but I look at all the competitive pressure in that space. And I sold my shares a little while back just because I, I was worried that 
even offering a great product, people weren't going to be willing to pony up because there were so many other really great deals from all these people trying to chip away at market share. And then Legere tweets that, and you're like, I don't want to be betting against the king of me. Exactly. I will add to that. You know, we cover T-Mobile. Um, you know, every once in a while on the consumer retail show, and I usually cover it with Dan Klein. He loves Legere, and a big part of it is a lot of the things that you mentioned in terms of promotions that consumers are benefiting from now. Those are things that T-Mobile kind of pioneered with, with their uncarrier initiatives. They've had, I think, 11 or 12 of them at this point, at things where um, your data would roll over, or there the price that you see in marketing would be the price that you pay, you know, inclusive of all those various taxes and surcharges and fees. Things like that, consumer-friendly, uh, really forcing the other three companies in the big four for the wireless carriers to kind of step up their game, become more competitive. And I think overall, it's He's definitely someone who reminds me of other kind of visionaries across industries who pushes everyone forward in that way. I appreciate you strengthening my case in a category where you also have a submission. But wait, we all know this is the classic Vince thing. He's going to slow walk it, and he's just going to come in with a knockout. Speaking of visionaries. <laughs> okay, you know what? So the person that I'm, I'm nominating, or the company I'm nominating, is National Beverage, ticker F-I-Z-Z. <laughs> yes. So National <laughs> Beverage is a $5 billion company that produces a variety of beverages, obviously. It's most famous being LaCroix. So that's a sparkling water brand that is riding the wave of popularity right now for uh, the sparkling water drink category, and it's leading it. So the chairman and CEO is this gentleman. I think he's 81 years old. His name's Nick Caparella. And he's known for more unconventional comments in the company communications and press releases that National Beverage releases. And they do not host quarterly earnings calls with analysts. So you get a simple press release for each quarter for the earnings results or the special dividends, for example, that they pay. And then you get commentary from Caparella, and that's it. So here are my personal favorites in terms of quotes from the past year. I have a couple of them. So this is from a May special dividend announcement. National Beverage Corp. does not possess a patent, which, by the way, is the most formidable moat, but has the closest audacious backup moat. A cult-led, tech-charged millennial with, quote, change power, an extremely passionate and proven innovator, healthier mandatory incentives pushed by society, plus a powerful army of highly competent professionals drinking the plan. Throw in the team called Team National, and that moat becomes nuclear. We are on the right side of conviction, the healthiest motive a public corporation can have, no greater cause than to enrich the, ro the loyal shareholders, no greater honor than to create a healthier, stronger America. Thanks for giving us our purpose, fueled with your loyalty. That's just one example. <laughs> okay, okay, so it's, it's, it's Dylan versus Vince, quote A. <laughs> Vince, Vince and Vince. Um, wait, so Vince, also, this guy is very well known for sporadically using all caps, yes. that's correct. So how much of that last quote was in all caps? I don't remember exactly. I have it pasted in in, in my like, notes safe here. Safe to say 50%. But there's a decent <laughs> bit of it. There's a lot of exclamation points. There's a decent amount of capitalization. And he's very he's very enthusiastic, and I actually really appreciate about them. It really shines through in these press releases, as you can imagine. <laughs> so the next, one, the next one is from a July earnings release. He says, what better feelings can there be than those that make the mind and body feel awesome while simultaneously invigorating your glorious self-esteem? What determines the ultimate potential for this kind of innovation? A healthy guarantee, the true side effects, super great feelings, and a long-lasting hydration afterglow that allures one to want more. How much better does it get? Try it and see. 
I love that. I love that. Very positive. All right, I'm going to end. This is the last one I'm going to have. It's from another earnings call. It's from the latest one, actually. It says, National Beverage is creating operating performance that is astounding. And they are. When a second operator can innovate, when a seasoned operator can innovate, sorry, develop and focus all the variables necessary to achieve these results, it's standing ovation. If Warren wrote what I did, not a soul would utter a squeak of criticism. And they close out most of their press releases with this. National Beverage's iconic brands are the genuine essence of America. Patriotism. If only we could bottle it. So that is a taste of what you get in terms of the company communications from National Beverage. And at this point, if you look at the results that they've been able to put up in this sector, it's hard to even criticize them for being so excited. The company's recorded 12 consecutive quarters of revenue and earnings growth. It's well on its way to hitting $1 billion in annual revenue. And that growth is expected to continue in the high team percentages for the next several years. The operating margin is up over 8 percentage points to 19.6% in just the past two fiscal years. So profitability is really expanding for them. And for the consumer retail world, National Beverage has a pretty rich price-to-earnings valuation. They're at about 40 times, and that's thanks to the hype around LaCroix, which is really driving this company, definitely, uh, in terms of the brands. Uh, They have strong growth. They also have been some buyout rumors. Uh, This is a $5 billion company they could be tacked on by, for example, a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. So whether you like it or not, Caparella is obviously doing something right and keeping shareholders very happy, and so that's why I selected those quotes as my picks. So I think it's essentially Vince versus Vince versus Vince for this one, right? I mean, can we just kind of agree on that? I mean, personally, I'm going to vote for that final quote, the footer of their press releases, the essence of America. Patriotism. Yes. If only we could bottle it. <laughs> I mean, that's a great tagline. Patriotism, if only we could bottle it. It sounds like a Budweiser commercial. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it does. <laughs> I kind of wish that this company did do conference calls. I feel oh, like you would just so get. So do I. You would get so I, many actually, in my opinion, that's a, a, a ding for them, and that you know it's obviously not as friendly for investors in terms of getting a full view of the business. But I don't well, know. Maybe that is super savvy PR. Like, let's lock him in a room. He cannot talk to the analysts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, I think he gets to make those decisions because otherwise, those press releases would not, you know, come out the way they do. I guess. <laughs> So what are your votes? <laughs> Bottling patriotism. Have to go with it. Bottling patriotism. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that. You can't beat all caps. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that. Well, there you have it. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Eero. Eero is excited to introduce the second generation Eero and Eero Beacon. Eero home Wi-Fi systems started in early 2016. Since then, they've learned from hundreds of thousands of systems, making them smarter, faster, and more reliable. The single router model just doesn't work for our increasingly high bandwidth world. It's simple physics. Like light waves, Wi-Fi waves don't go through walls well. The new Eero second generation and Eero Beacon allow a customer to build a Wi-Fi system that's more perfectly tailored to their home than ever before. They offer more speed and range in the same high-quality, elegant design that people have come to expect. With the addition of a third 5 gigahertz radio, the second generation Eero is now tri-band and twice as fast as its predecessor, which lets customers do more simultaneously in every room of their home. And with the addition of a new thread radio, Eero can connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, other sensors, and more. Expanding your coverage in any room is easy with Eero Beacon. Simply plug it into a wall, and you're covered. 
You can add as many Eero beacons as you want. If there's an outlet, there's Wi-Fi. Austin, our man behind the glass, has tried Eero. What did you think, Austin? I think it's great. Um, my Verizon router is not so great, so it definitely helps reach my basement and some other rooms, so it helped me. Awesome. Thanks, Austin. For free overnight shipping, visit Eero.com, and at checkout, select Overnight Shipping, then enter FOOL to make it free. Thank you, Eero, for your support. All right, we have one more award to give out today, and this award is something we're calling Happily Ever After. So, deals announced or closed in 2017, which ones would we like to give an award to? I'll go first, if you like. Uh, so, my Happily Ever After may not be all that Happily Ever After. However, it is a sizable deal that closed the summer of this year. Baker Hughes, a general electric company. Yes. That is its new name. So there's a marketing company that's earned way too much money for that. Um, but <laughs> that, it's true. Uh, so this summer, GE merged its oil and gas business with the number three oil service provider, Baker Hughes. So GE is primarily an equipment manufacturer for the industry, and Baker Hughes specializes in services and products for things like horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, which, as we all know, if we listen to the energy show, is getting huge. Um, the new company uh, is 62% controlled by GE, 37% uh, of the float trades on the market under the ticker BHGE. So the company said that this creates a new type of oil field services firm that defies easy comparison. But basically, it's a full stream services company <laughs> is what they've created. Um, so it's spun out in the way it is to give GE a hand in the oil and gas industry without exposing them to the volatility of the commodity. Uh, so it's good for GE. It's going to uh, potentially add four cents uh, to GE's earnings per share in 2018, eight cents by 2020. Um, and the whole initial discussion, discussion was started because GE and Baker Hughes got together to discuss if Baker Hughes could use GE's Predix uh, big data technology. So there's already a lot of big data usage uh, going on in the oil and gas industry. So we talk a lot about Internet of Things, especially with tech too, and the industrial Internet of Things is going to be huge. Um, that already there's a lot of data being collected, but they're not analyzing it. They're not using it very well. So this data, uh, sorry, this software um, is essentially going to unlock a lot of the potential that's already being collected. But they realized that they could a few, uh, achieve a lot of efficiency gains together and that they could really unlock a lot of potential in the industry through using um, Internet of Things. So that's why it's happening. Why it may not be happy <laughs> is... Um, on the 11th of November of this year, um, G's new CEO, John Flannery, had to present his strategy for how the company's going to turn around. If anybody's been paying attention to the stock, they're down 43% year-to-date, personally feeling the pain of that. Um, and John Flannery alludes to exit options from the deal. So he says, as part of maximizing the value for shareholders, um, they would investigate if there may be a different form or structure for the ownership of the asset. Now, the reason that he's saying that so quickly after the deal uh, has been made is partly because he, he may not have been fully involved uh, when the deal was formed. So we don't know his personal views on the deal. Um, secondly, he's under a huge amount of pressure from activist investors to try and unlock as much value for G from GE um, for shareholders as possible. And the whole idea of this um, union was uh, predicated on oil prices, too, as we talked about um, in the previous show on the Saudi Aramco IPO. Oil, crude oil prices are just underlying the whole industry. And so uh, the volatility that we're still seeing is kind of making people nervous. So your happily ever after is kind of a snarky happily ever after. It is. I should have yeah. specified that it's happily ever after? Question mark. <laughs> that is our category. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Dylan way of looking at happily ever after. Why don't you add some context maybe for listeners who don't get to enjoy me in the pod and only get my bright, upbeat voice <laughs> on the Friday Tech Show? Dylan is 
I would say our resident king of sass. I, well, so the <laughs> king of Maine. Now, uh, the the way I was going to go with it actually is some artists paint. <laughs> Others do architecture. Some make music. Dylan, his preferred medium is sarcasm. And by the way, that is a Christmas story reference. And I hope you all enjoy that movie. It's beautiful. It's an excellent, excellent movie. I appreciate the reference. It's one of my favorites. I watch it every holiday. As somebody who doesn't get the reference, does that make him the Scrooge? <laughs> I, like, I like to be more of like Different a floating Krampus. <laughs> Different Christmas story. That's okay. I tried. Yes, my happily ever after is more like a summer wedding followed six months later by a potentially very sticky divorce. <laughs> okay, sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Let, let's see if our next happily ever after is a little bit happier. Vince? I appreciate that you ejected some realism into that. <laughs> fairy, tale, fairy tales are not real. <laughs> wow. But my original nominee for this category was the Amazon and Whole Foods market deal. So that deal caused a lot of headaches and concerns for big box stores like Walmart and Target, grocery stores like Costco and Kroger, and it kneecapped the Blu-ray brand IPO. And in general, it you know you have this giant looming threat because Amazon now has at its disposal a network of over 400 stores. But so far, the actual changes have been limited in terms of what you see at Whole Foods. So there's prices on certain grocery staples that have been lowered. Um, that generated a lot of buzz and increased foot traffic to those stores. And Amazon has rolled out a lot of its Alexa-powered devices, like the Echo, and made them prominently available at Whole Foods locations, too. But the longer-term effects of that deal are not quite clear yet. And considering the happily ever after name for the category, I wanted to st stretch my list of nominees a little bit. So my actual <laughs> deal is the Walmart acquisition of Jet.com. So that technically closed in late 2016. <laughs> oh wait, wait, does this not remind you of the quote category? <laughs> where Vince is like, oh, I'm going to drop three examples in here. Oh, this also <laughs> reminds me of when someone was saying, well, we should exclude cryptocurrencies on a technicality because they didn't start in Play to win, Michael. Play to win. <laughs> I'm just saying. So the deal technically closed in late 2016, but we've seen the effects of the deal come to light more so this year, which is why... It, it's my nominee for this category, my official one. <laughs> so originally, this $3 billion deal was seen as Walmart's way to really tackle e-commerce and present a more formidable competitor to Amazon. And the company would get all of the digital commerce expertise and infrastructure that Jet.com has developed in just a few years of operation. But the real gem for Walmart was actually locking down Mark Lohr, Jet.com's founder, and having him, him become the president uh, and CEO of the e-commerce efforts for the entire company. So he's the driving force behind a lot of the initiatives that we've seen from the company in the past year, like free shipping for orders over $35, discounts for orders picked up in store, and store pickup for groceries. And there's more coming in terms of the smart cart technology that Jet.com has had uh, available for its customers for some time now. In the most recent quarter, e-commerce sales for Walmart rose 50% year over year. And all in all, I think Lore has brought a mindset and willingness to take risks that was needed in a huge enterprise like Walmart. And that change would not have been uh, as possible without having someone like him to drive that. So that is my, my pick for Happily Ever After. That is all well and good. And now I'm going to nominate something qualified. <laughs> Fair so. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> This one deserves an award just because of the sheer size of it. And this is CBS Aetna, which was announced fairly recently. 
And CVS is a very well-known retail pharmacy chain. They've got a bunch of stores. They have walk-in clinics. They have a pharmacy benefits manager. Whole lot of lines of business. Aetna is an insurer. So this is basically a vertical integration. There's not a whole lot of overlap between the two of them. But CVS is looking to buy Aetna for $207 per share, which comes to a total of $69 billion. And so the drama, and what I think makes this really interesting, is with whether or not it'll be approved. So in previous years, that might have been a no-brainer. Vertical, like that's fine. It's not an antitrust uh, situation. But there is a ton of doubt about whether or not this is going to go through. If you look at Aetna's share price, they're trading for about $180, which is to be compared with that $207 buyout price. So that's a huge difference. And so I'm going to borrow a tactic from from Sarah and put this into like a a real-life perspective. This would be if the prom king and the prom queen got engaged and then their friends didn't save the date. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I like that. Thoughts? (laughs) So broadly speaking, I think CVS and Aetna is totally fascinating because if it succeeds, you could really have a company that owns so much of the healthcare value chain on the care side. I think that both in terms of amount of money involved and potential for transformation of the healthcare system and let's say relevance, given that it actually happened this year, should absolutely be the winner. I think given that Vince has already won several categories <laughs> and been quite smug about it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So, so, so that sounds like a pity, a pity win for somebody else. Almost. Well, there are, there are yeah. two other people in this race this right now. True. <laughs> but I, I don't think I can give Vince and his multiple submissions <laughs> a vote. I, I think I'm going with Sarah's because I appreciate the snarkiness. And you know, for both of you guys, I, I like that you're kind of seeing something for what it is and kind of moving beyond just the headlines to kind of um, understand what it means and what the staying power of it might be. Uh, I, I happen to like Sarah's tone the most, and I think it's a story that I haven't really been following all that much. I can read the tea leaves. So <laughs> looks like I'm disqualified. <laughs> Christine, I, I think that deal's really interesting, but oh. you say happily ever after? <laughs> you know, I don't, we don't even know if it's going to close. I'm not banking on the AT&T Time Warner deal either. <laughs> so... Sarah, by technicality, congratulations. Oh, wow. <laughs> Everyone wow. wants to win on a technicality. Can I, can I throw a, a dark horse vote out there, which I would actually vote for Amazon Whole Foods. The thing is, that that was your pitch. That you was, yeah. that. I, like, he just ended there. there. I, I, I did not feel right picking that one just because we really don't know yet in terms of long-term effects. He didn't feel right winning again. Yeah, it's just not. <laughs> so, his morals got in the way. He himself under the bus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be clear, like, that is just such a huge opportunity in terms of just, like, totally revolutionizing both the Whole Foods experience. I mean, when we went to get the um, editorial holiday tree from Whole Foods, it was much more reasonably priced than in past years. Yeah, even just the amount of jaws that hit the ground when that was announced... I like I remember when I read the headline, I was floored. I mean, it was it was really dramatic. And you look at what it's done to the market and some other participants in that space and it has just been so wholly disruptive. Yes. But wholly, I see what you did there. You know, that wasn't even intentional. <laughs> but my vote stands with Sarah. Okay. <laughs> well, so Sarah wins on a technicality because I'm sorry, Sarah. You drop the ball bins. That's what they're saying. It's fine. <laughs> but I think I definitely get vote for uh, worst company name of 2017 as well. Baker Hughes, a general electric company. 
That is their full name. I mean, that's almost as bad as some of the like Berkshire subs- subsidiaries, right? You know, a Berkshire Hathaway company. Maybe that's what they're trying to emulate. It hasn't worked though. Oh, that yeah. I mean, that would kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, take some of the the big name recognition as opposed to going with a it's, new company name entirely. It's working against them. I think they're down fifty percent. And that and that is the reason why. <laughs> All right, folks, we have reached the end of the penultimate show in our four-part awards show series. Tune in tomorrow for the final installment. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For the entire cast of Industry Focus, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!